0: Chapter Twenty Nine of Half a Century by Jane Grey Swisshelm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Bloomers and Woman's Rights Conventions. The appearance of the visitor was the signal for an outbreak, for which I was wholly unprepared, and one which proved the existence of an eating cancer of discontent in the body politic under the smooth surface of society lay a mass of moral disease which suddenly broke out into an eruption of complaints from those who felt themselves oppressed by the old saxon and ecclesiastical laws under which one-half the people of the republic still lived in the laws governing the interests peculiar to men and those affecting their interests in common with woman great advance had been made during the past six centuries but those regarding the exclusive interests of women had remained in statu quo since king alfred the great and the knights of his round-table fell asleep the anti negro slavery object of my paper seemed to be lost sight of both by friends and foes of human progress in the surprise at the innovation of a woman entering the political arena to argue publicly on great questions of national policy and while men were defending their pantaloons they created and spread the idea that masculine supremacy lay in the form of their garments and that a woman dressed like a man would be as potent as he strange as it may now seem they succeeded in giving such efficacy to the idea that no less a person than mrs elizabeth caddy stanton was led astray by it so that she set her cool wise head to work and invented a costume which she believed would emancipate woman from thraldom her invention was adopted by her friend mrs bloomer editor and proprietor of the lily a small paper then in infancy in syracuse new york And from her, the dress took its name, the bloomer. Both women believed in their dress and staunchly advocated it as the sovereignest remedy for all the ills that woman's flesh is heir to. I made a suit and wore it at home parts of two days long enough to feel assured that it must be a failure, and so opposed it earnestly. But nothing I could say or do could make it apparent that pantaloons were not the real objective point at which all discontented women aimed i had once been tried on a charge of purloining pantaloons and been acquitted for lack of evidence and now here was the proof the women themselves leaders of the malcontents promulgated and pressed their claim to bifurcated garments and the whole tide of popular discussion was turned into that ridiculous channel The visitor had a large list of subscribers in Salem, Ohio, and in the summer of 49 a letter from a lady came to me saying that the visitor had stirred up so much interest in women's rights that a meeting had been held and a committee appointed to get up a women's rights convention, and she as chairman of that committee invited me to preside. I felt on reading this as if I had had a douche-bath then as a lawyer might have felt who had carried a case for a corporation through the lower court and when expecting it up before the supreme bench had learned that all his clients were coming in to address the court on the merits of the case by the pecks of letters i had been receiving i had learned that there were thousands of women with grievances and no power to state them or to discriminate between those which could be reached by law and those purely personal and that the love of privacy with which the whole sex was accredited was a mistake, since most of my correspondents literally agonized to get before the public. Publicity, publicity was the persistent demand. To meet the demand, small papers owned and edited by women sprang up all over the land, and like Jonah's gourd, perished in a night. Ruskin says to be noble is to be known, and at that period there was a great demand on the part of women for their full allowance of nobility but not one in a hundred thought of merit as a means of reaching it no use waiting to learn to put two consecutive sentences together in any connected form or for an idea or the power of expressing it one woman was printing her productions and why should not all the rest do likewise they had so long followed some leader like a flock of sheep that now they would rush through the first gap into newspaperdom. I declined the presidential honours tendered me on the ground of inability to fill the place, and earnestly entreated the movers to reconsider and give up the convention, saying, It will open a door through which fools and fanatics will pour in and make the cause ridiculous. The answer was that it was too late to recede. The convention was held and justified my worst fears when i criticized it the reply was if you had come and presided as we wished you to do the result would have been different you started the movement and now refuse to lead it but cannot stop it the next summer a convention was held in akron ohio and i attended hoping to modify the madness but failed utterly by all protests i could make to prevent the introduction by the committee on resolutions of this resolved that the difference in sex is one of education. A man stood behind the President to prompt her, but she could not catch his meaning, and when confusion came, she rose and made a little speech, in which she stated that she knew nothing of parliamentary rules, and when consenting to preside, had resolved, if there were trouble, to say to the Convention, as she did to her boys at home, Quit behaving yourselves. This brought down the House, but brought no order, and she sat down smiling a perfect picture of self-complacence. People thought the press unmerciful in its ridicule of that convention, but I felt in it all there was much forbearance. No words could have done justice to the occasion. It was so much more ridiculous than ridicule, so much more absurd than absurdity. The women on whom that ridicule was heaped were utterly incapable of self-defense or unconscious of its need. The mass of nobility-seekers seemed content to get before the public by any means and to wear its most stinging sarcasms as they would a new dress-cap. In those days I reserved all my hard words for men, and in my notice of the Convention mildly suggested that it would have been better had Mrs. Oliver Johnson been made President, as she had great executive ability and a good knowledge of parliamentary rules this suggestion was received by the president as an insult never to be forgiven and the visitor defended herself against it i replied and in the discussion which followed she argued that the affairs of each family should be so arranged that the husband and wife would be breadwinner and housekeeper by turns day or even half-day about he should go to business in the forenoon then in the afternoon take care of baby and permit her to go to the office shop or warehouse from which came the family supplies i took the ground that baby would be apt to object and that in our family the rule would not work since i could not put a log on the mill-carriage and the water would be running to waste all my day or half-day as breadwinner about the same time mrs stanton published a series of articles in mrs bloomer's paper the lily in which she taught that it was right for a mother to make baby comfortable lay him in his crib come out lock the door and leave him to develop his lungs by crying or cooing as he might decide while mamma improved her mind and attended to her public and social duties against such headwinds, it was hard for my poor little craft to make progress in asserting the right of women to influence great public questions for something over twenty years after the akron meeting i did not see a woman's rights convention and in all have seen but five up to eighteen seventy six there had been no material improvement in them if those i saw were a fair specimen their holders have always seemed to me like a woman who should undertake at a state fair to run a sewing-machine under pretence of advertising it while she had never spent an hour in learning its use however those conventions have probably saved the republic from the readiness with which pennsylvania legislators responded to the petition of three of four women acting without concert in the matter of property rights it is probable that in a fit of generosity the men of the united states would have enfranchised its women en masse and the government now staggering under the ballots of ignorant irresponsible men must have gone down under the additional burden of the votes which would have been thrown upon it by millions of ignorant irresponsible women before that time the unanswerable argument of judge hurlbut had been published and had made a deep impression on the minds of thinking men had this been followed by the earnest thrilling appeals of susan b anthony free from all alliance with cant and vanity we should no doubt have had a voting population today, under which no government could exist ten years but those conventions raised the danger signal and men took heed to the warning End of chapter twenty nine